morning and welcome to Excel Church. My name is Pastor Alicia and I'm so glad that you decided to join us on this Palm Sunday. I'm reminded of a particular time where I was attending a basketball game. And as you can imagine, at this basketball game, we were cheering for the team in which we were affiliated with. And as we were cheering for the team, there was one particular player that I was particularly excited about. And we were cheering for them to be able to make those baskets and help to bridge the gap in the score. But at one particular moment, the cheering stopped. In this particular instance, the cheering stopped because they didn't realize that it was halftime and that after halftime that the baskets get reversed. And so they were running towards the basket that they had been making all their shots in previously. But now since halftime had occurred, how many of you know that that's not their basket anymore? I know, I know, I know. It happens to the best of us. But in that case, all the cheering stopped. And it's interesting to me because when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, initially, he received a hero's welcome. People everywhere were cheering. But then something happened. The cheering stopped. Somebody say, why did the cheering stop? Let's look at Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 44, before we answer those questions. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that coat? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out the garments, their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Verse 38, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Verse 39, 
But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. In our text today, we see such an example. Jesus, the son of a carpenter, educated in Nazareth, one who gained favor with men, one who was cheered and praised, would soon be mocked, scorned, and cast aside by the very same ones who did the cheering. On that Palm Sunday, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, there were several things that he was aware of. He knew the conditions surrounding the people and he knew the condition of the people's heart. Somebody say, check your heart. The Jews found themselves under heavy Roman oppression. There were heavy taxes, restrictions, numerous executions by means of crucifixion, and Jesus knew all about those things. But he also knew their heart. You see, the Jews were in search of someone. They desired a king, a conqueror, someone to set them free. They had seen the mighty works of this man, Jesus. They were witness to him restoring sight to the blind. They saw the evidence of him healing the lame. They saw him feed the multitude with a little boy's lunch and had leftovers to spare. They heard about him raising Lazarus from the dead. They listened to him teach with authority, surely with power and authority like that. Jesus was without a doubt the one who would set them free. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and the crowds began to cheer because to them the timing was right. It was approaching the Passover feast. That was symbolic of the event where the death angel passed over Egypt and Pharaoh let God's children go. And now, just maybe now, Jesus would somehow lead them from the restraints and cruel treatment they received from the Roman government. Jesus, Jesus knew their heart. He knew their desires. The Roman soldiers knew something as well. These soldiers knew that it was Passover and they realized that it was traditionally a time that brought about skirmishes and violent reactions. They had not forgotten that several years earlier, Theotis of Jordan had ridden into Jerusalem with a similar greeting. They remembered how he promised to do the miracles of Elijah and how he led a fairly large revolt. The soldiers remembered how that Theotis, along with over 400 of his followers 
was slain and the head of Theotis was hung on the garrison wall. They knew Passover could bring trouble and so they were ready too. So as Jesus rolled into Jerusalem, the crowds were waving the palm branches, a long-standing symbolism of Jewish nationalism. They shouted, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Cheering, praising, exalting. But then something happened. Somebody say, the cheering stopped. Yep, the cheering stopped. Jesus didn't gather any troops. He didn't lead a revolt. He didn't do what they expected. Instead, he drove the money changers out of the temple. He paid tribute to Caesar. He taught that giving out of poverty is more than giving out of abundance. He taught that in order to be great, you must be a servant. Jesus did everything the people didn't want. And so the cheering stopped. It's amazing that when things go our way, when God does what we want, when Jesus rises to our cause, it's easy to cheer. But what about when he doesn't do these things? What happens when you face oppression? What happens when you experience troubles? Too often, the cheering comes to a stop. Words of adoration and praise quickly fade when you face life as it really is. Sometimes, God does give us what we want. But you better believe he always gives us what we need. It's just that sometimes we experience a little problem. Often our wants and our desires blur our vision to our real needs. The same thing happened to the crowds that lined the street to cheer Jesus. There were some things that they didn't see, but Jesus did. Look now, if you would, at verses 41 through 44. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. Verse 44, they will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. I would like to give you three things from these verses this morning concerning what Jesus observed. 
before I give them to you. And it's important that we realize that our culture may not be the same. The times are not the same historically, but the application of these things to us in today's time is of utmost importance. Look with me, if you will, at these things as we answer the question, why did the cheering stop? Somebody say, why did the cheering stop? First, it was because they did not recognize his purpose. Somebody who's taking notes, put that in the chat. They did not recognize his purpose. Notice with me the first, first at the end of verse 44. Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. The word visitation could have one of two possible meanings. Now, as we would consider it in the English language, Jesus could have meant to visit someone in the sense of bringing judgment, but that doesn't really fit the context. It could mean someone visiting to bring relief or deliverance. That one seems to fit. The word translated as visitation in our text is the Greek word episkotomai. It literally means to relieve. It is in fact the same word used in Matthew 25, 36, where Jesus said, sick and ye visited me. And can you see the irony? Here's a group of people desiring relief and salvation from oppression and failing to see the opportunity for true relief. Look at that phrase again. Jesus is not implying that they did not know his purpose. These people were looking for the kingdom of God and Jesus had already told them that the kingdom is already in their presence. Think about Luke chapter 17 verses 20 through 21. They were aware of his claims to be the son of God. They were witness to his miracle working power. Jesus even told them once, that they could look at the sky to discern the weather, but they could not discern the time in which they were living. But there is a reason that they could not see his purpose. They could not see Jesus's purpose because they had their eyes on their immediate circumstances instead of their current condition. Somebody keep your eyes off your condition. We are the same way today in many ways. When you experience trials or certain hardships and you suffer through various difficulties and you get your eyes on your circumstances. When your focus is on everything around you that is wrong, then something happens. Your prayer starts to change. Your prayer shifts from one place to another and it becomes, Lord, deliver me, help me, fight for me, uplift me, instead of, Lord, mold me, use me, grow me through these things, change me and get glory for yourself. Too often the desire is 
for God to change the circumstances instead of God changing the person in those circumstances. Somebody say, God, change me. Use me for your glory. And sadly, this has an effect. In time, the cheering stops. You lose sight of him and his purpose and you diminish in your worship of him. You go through the motions of service and you praise him for what you want him to do instead of praising him for who he is. The people desired deliverance from oppression. Jesus came to deliver them from the bigger problem, though, of sin and their desire to escape their immediate circumstances, to have their brand of peace. They missed the fact that they walked in the very presence of the Prince of Peace. Don't let that be what causes your cheering for him to stop. Don't lose sight of the fact that through any circumstance, you are in the presence of the Prince of Peace. Somebody say, I am in the presence of the Prince of Peace. John 16 verse 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's hard, hard to get peace from the world when it's clear that it is full of tribulation. With Jesus, you can have peace even in the middle of tribulation. Notice with me in verse 42. If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, Jesus said, if you had known the things which make for peace, if you were to look at the word no, you need to realize that it's not used in the sense of being aware of something or to have knowledge of something. It's used in a different sense. It's used in one that is common in scriptures such as Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, when Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, certainly he knows everything there is to know about you. What is meant in that passage is that he never approved of you. It literally means, even though I know you and am aware of every little detail about you, you must depart from me because I do not approve of you. And this is the same way it is used in our text in verse 42. Jesus' terms were clearly spelled out. In Luke 14, you would see that they involved a cross. Take up your cross and follow him. The terms involve careful consideration. Count the cost. The terms involved, not only did they refuse to recognize his purpose, but also they refused 
to accept his terms. Somebody say, so point two, they refuse to accept his terms. They refuse to accept submission. As two kings prepared for battle, the weaker would send an ambassador to request the terms of peace from the stronger army. It was then up to the weaker king to submit to those terms if he desired peace. The people in Jerusalem desired peace, but, somebody say but, they wanted it to come through conflict. Jesus was offering them peace and conflict. And Jesus said of Jerusalem in Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you would not let me. And the city of Jerusalem, whose name means founded peaceful, refused Jesus's terms. Why? It was because they wanted to set the terms of peace. How often do we as Christians do the same thing? We want peace and we want blessings, but at the same time, we want to do things our way in order to get them. In essence, the attitude is, God, I want peace and blessings, and I'm going to do this and that and the other because that's how I want to handle. And your job, Lord, is just to bless me in my actions. How about the one who has not accepted Christ as their Savior? There are many who want to set the terms for themselves. Oh, I'm going to get to heaven one day. But I'll get there on my own terms. Listen, 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 listen. Jesus was very clear when he said, I am the way and no man comes to the father but by him. But time and time again, you have refused his terms. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is what? Yeah destruction. Why? It is because you refuse to accept his terms. Jesus is the only way. The only provision for salvation has already been made. The blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary is the only means whereby you can be forgiven of your sin and it is the righteousness of Christ that must be applied to you if you desire to be in heaven for eternity. But they did not recognize his purpose. They refused to accept his terms. And notice, thirdly, they did not realize that it would bring judgment. Notice in verses 42 and 44. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, 
Your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Jesus describes here the future judgment of Jerusalem in this passage. They had been warned. They knew the terms. They knew who Jesus was, but they refused to accept these things. And so it brought judgment. In 70 AD, a Roman general by the name of Titus set siege against Jerusalem because they did finally revolt. The people did it their way. They went according to their purpose. They acted upon their terms. And it brought about judgment. According to the historian Josephus, over one million Jews were killed. He recorded that the blood flowed down the steps leading up to the temple just like water. Can you imagine that type of judgment? Mm. That's the type of judgment that for some of us makes the cheering stop. Things happen just as Jesus said they would. It was because they did not recognize his purpose. They refused to accept his terms. And so they were judged. Somebody say, Lord, I don't want to be judged. Let me accept who you are. Let me accept your purpose. Let me accept the fact that things may not always go my way, but I still must worship you. The cheering is not to stop. Somebody say the cheering is not to stop. It was God who said, you are done. Look at the end of verse 42 and peace is hidden from your eyes. How does that apply to us? How does that apply to you and to me? You cannot approach God on your own terms. Somebody say that. We cannot approach God on our own terms. We must come through Jesus. You cannot come to him in your own time. No man comes to me unless the Father draw them. For some of you watching this morning, now is the time. No more waiting. No more when I get this together. No more when I get around to it. Now is the time. And when you come to him, you must accept his claims. Somebody say, you must accept his claims. Jesus is the son of God, the sacrifice for sin, the Lord and our savior. And if you refuse these things, you nail the coffin of opportunity shut. And all that will be left for you to hear is, 
it is too late. Your cheering will stop forever. See, I want us to understand this morning that we don't want to fall into that pitfall of cheering and for um, worshiping and for praising as long as things are going our way. We don't want to fall into that trap this Palm Sunday of being able to be focused on loving God and serving God and walking with God as long as he's doing everything the way we expect it. <coughs> Sometimes we've got to understand that the way that God is going about doing things in our life, it may be very different than what we anticipated, but yet he has a plan for us, plans for good and not for evil to bring us to an expected end. He had a plan for them. And yes, they thought it was going to come one way. They expected that he would come and he would uh, be forceful and violently take and establish a kingdom. They didn't understand that he would accomplish it in a totally different way. Are we making that same mistake in our lives today? Is God doing something in your life and you don't understand why he's going about doing it that way. God, I invited you into my life and I said, come in and I expected you to make everything great. And, and now things are in shambles and now people are being removed and now I'm having to relocate. Now I'm having to do things differently. I, that's not what I called you in here for God. What are you doing? Now my cheering must stop. I am challenging you this morning to recognize that that is part of our journey, that God is going to move in our life. And when we give, when we make him the Lord of our lives, along with that comes giving God the freedom to do things the way that he sees fit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not what? To your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him don't stop cheering him and he will direct your path as we close i want to encourage you this morning if you have not yet made jesus christ your lord and your savior that today would be that day this palm sunday and if he is your lord and your savior but perhaps your desires have become more self-centered than they have been God-centered. Perhaps may, maybe the cheering has stopped because you've been so busy trying to do things in your own power and in your own strength that you forgot that you were supposed to be celebrating Him. Today is that day. Today, as we close and as I pray with you, I am challenging you to accept what he would have us to do and serve how he would have us to serve. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come this morning, this Palm Sunday, and we just say thank you, Father God, for being Lord over our lives. We say thank you this morning for sending us your only begotten son and allowing him to make the ultimate sacrifice that we might have life and have life more abundantly. Father, help us to walk with you and to trust you and to not stop cheering, 
when we see that things are taking a different path than we wanted or expected. Help us to stay focused on you. Help us to continue to lay at your feet. Help us, Lord God, to not get restless and to try to make it happen in our own power and step out of your will. Mm. No matter what it is we're facing right now, Father God, no matter what the difficulties, let us be able to find and rest in your peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. And Father, get the glory out of our lives where the situation looks dead, where it looks like there is no hope, where it looks like the odds are against us. God, we stand on your promises that if you be for us, who can be against us? God, we stand on your promises that you and you alone are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or even think to ask. So this morning, God, we lay at your feet, we lay at the altar, and we say we will not stop cheering for you, Father. We will not stop cheering for what you are, not for what you are doing in our lives. We will not stop cheering for who you are. You are Alpha. You are Omega. You are beginning. You are end. You are everything to us, oh God. And we thank you this morning for visiting us, and we acknowledge who you are. We acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge your purpose in our lives. And God, we ask that you would get glory through us. We ask these blessings in your holy and sacred name. Somebody just go ahead with me and say, Amen. Amen.